It's time for Knox Talk, a behind-the-scenes look at the business side of college sports. Featuring Paul Sickman from Knox Sports and Brandon Parks from the Vol Network. Now for today's show. Welcome to another edition of Knox Talk. Today is Friday, December 11th, and my name is Paul Sickman from Knox Sports Marketing here in beautiful Tampa, Florida, and my co-host, as always, is Brandon Parks from the University of Tennessee and the Ball Network. Brandon, can you believe that we are two weeks from Christmas, and we are still playing regular season football games, by the way? Holy smokes. Hello, Brandon. Happy holidays, Paul. Um, You're right. We are uh, still playing football. In fact, Tennessee will play football next week uh, on the 19th. Uh, At home. Obviously, (laughs) at home. And in in my lifetime, I don't don't ever remember a game this late in the regular season. Obviously, you have bowl games that play into late December, early January. But this is the latest regular season game that, that I can ever remember. Uh, it's crazy in my lifetime so it's odd it's very odd i will tell you i think football season being pushed back has put me in a real bind from a holiday shopping perspective because it doesn't feel like i should be in the shopping holiday mood just yet um and the clock's going to run out on me so i hope you are in better shape than i am yeah i'm I'm always in terrible shape with that regard as we discussed uh uh in the birthday situation so no i'm i'm nowhere um which is great um uh, but i'm gonna have to get somewhere (laughs) soon so you're right and and i have no excuses because i don't have you know home games to work so i really have nothing to hang my hat on here so we'll move on into our topic um our topic (laughs) today (laughs) is uh is promotions that did not go as planned uh, which ought to be fun to talk about failures. Everyone loves to hear how people fail, so we'll have a whole episode today on failure. And I will let you go first, Mr. Mr. Parks, and then uh, and I've got four of them, and I'll let you go as many as you want, and we'll have some fun. Go. Well, and you got to say it first off the top. If you're not trying, or if you're not failing, then you're not trying. Mm-hmm. Because in the world that we work in, there is no such thing as a sure thing, and I think a lot of that has to do with all of the outside forces that can impact what we're trying to do from a, a sports marketing and promotional perspective. Um, I'm going to start probably with what I consider to be my most epic failure ever <laughs> promotionalized. Oh, I'm um, excited. And, you know, some schools around the country will do Friday night pep rally events, concert events. You know, I think A&M does the, or used to do that bonfire event right, right. before that tragedy. Um, and it's been 12 years ago, uh, we decided we were, we wanted to venture out and try to do a, a Friday night pep rally event before uh, a football game on a Saturday. Has no chance and, of failing. And yeah, I mean, and we're going to do it at the beginning of the season when you have all this enthusiasm and all this build up and we're going to roll the ball out there and people will show up. Mm-hmm. And so we spent the whole summer preparing for this. Um, we called it the big orange blast. And the first one was going to be held in downtown Knoxville on Market Square, and it was going to be free to the public. And we would roll out uh, the University of Tennessee Pride of the Southland Pep Band, and we were going to have uh, the athletics director come by and speak, and we're going to have former Vols come in and give a game plan update for, for the game the next day. And then uh, we had contracted with a couple of local musical artists to come in and perform. Um, and so got all this planning done. So excited for for this first Big Orange Blast. Go downtown, and it's absolutely crickets. There's (laughs) no one there. 
and and I mean, it took us two days to set the space up and put all the tents up, and we had sold sponsorships, and so you had companies that were coming in to interact with fans and do the fan fest thing. What in uh, the world? How, okay, and, and no one showed up, and and you want to unpack that? Why did it fail, or what? And I and I had many thoughts on why it failed, um, but it was the it was sort of like being the loneliest guy on the planet because you had put all this work into something. Uh, we had a radio show we did from down there that night, and I was just trying to find a place to hide. Wow. And I, I could not hide fast enough. How um, many uh, Big Orange Blasts did we do that season? Uh, we did one. <laughs> and, uh, we, we, and I will tell you, one of the first things I thought about, why did we not pull off a terrific event? Because I was expecting, you know, we'd have a few thousand people, so we might get two, three, four, five thousand people. Mm-hmm. Um, we did not have a known musical artist that was recognized in the market. Yeah, that's okay. And, but what was the promotional mix? I mean, was it, did the radio station fail you? How did it? No, I mean, we had WIVK, which is our flagship radio station, number one station in the market, country genre, who pumped it out there for us. And it, it, it was a true flop. Wow. And, and I think it goes back to, especially in East Tennessee, uh, I think fans and um, individuals in, in this community support high school football. Oh, yeah. In a big way. Um, and, and we took that into consideration when we did it. We thought, well, let's do it downtown. So if you're a fan that's traveling in from Nashville, Memphis, Atlanta, Charlotte, wherever, this would give you something to do on Friday night. And, and we want that to be our audience versus trying to get people to come away from a high school game to come join us. Um, and I think, I think that played into it. And we didn't get the out-of-town crowd that we had hoped for. Um, again, I, I do think not having an, a name brand musical artist hurt us because we, we did it the next two years and used country music. We had Sarah Evans mm-hmm. one year, ironically, who's married to Jay Barker, former Alabama quarterback. And I'm proud to say that I got Sarah Evans to put on a Tennessee football jersey in front of Jay. Nice. He, laugh, he laughed it off. Uh, well, if there was no had, one there, no one saw it, but okay. Well, the good news is when we did the second one, we had 7,000 people show up, and wow. it was a paid event, which is another thing I'll go back to. Wow. We debated about whether you can get people to come to free events. That's a great point, Brandon. That, is, that has been proven over and over again that people, if it's a paid event, it just adds value even if it's a small number. Absolutely, and, th- and that's what we did. We charged, I think it was 15 or $20 a person to get in. Um, and you got this concert from Sarah Evans. We came back the second year and did Pat Green, who's a singer-songwriter out of Texas, who resonated with our college crowd. Um, but, but it was a free event the first year. We didn't have a known artist. We were trying to create, in our mind, a new tradition, a Friday night tradition to extend the football weekend. Those things take time to build. You, you can't have an expectation in year one that you're going to have as much success as, say, Clemson has on first Friday right. uh, and other places that have built traditions over the years. Um, but I will never, ever forget that feeling standing in Market Square, and there is no one there, and and I feel like everybody that is there, the few fifty seventy five hundred people are all staring at me. Right. Well, so, you sold it to them. So uh, yeah, I did. I did sell it to them, and, and you know we sold a title sponsor to the event. We had we had companies that bought activation space at the event. See how much you learned about make goods before twenty twenty. Oh, tell me about it. Yeah. So yeah, that's we, a good we one. Pretty much had to make good one hundred percent on that one. <laughs> 
I, I, I'm going to start out with a kind of a shorter one. It's just kind of an end of an era thing. We, we had, uh, I was very new in the, on this side of the business 20 years ago, 25 years ago when we started, and we had a, a deal with Coke. And Coke was had had a co-promotion with a company called Sport Court, which is this you know beautiful court you could buy it in your backyard as opposed to just putting down cement. You could have this gorgeous Sport Court. So Coca-Cola and Sport Court came together. Coke was trying to get distribution in a bunch of grocery stores in the Midwest. So we had these deals with about six or seven different schools, and Coca-Cola was paying for it. So the schools were all too happy to do it. And the idea was that you were going to take your tear pad attached to the Coca-Cola display at the grocery store, and you fill out your tear pad, you send it into a P.O. box, and you were registering for a sport court to come to your house, to be installed at your house. It's probably a $5,000 prize. I mean, a significant, really, yeah. really nice deal, which any you know, any mom or dad with athletic kids is going to go nuts over is our thought. And Coca-Cola is perfect. So they promoted it through all of these school um, radio stations, et cetera, et cetera. Please go to your local such and such and get your tear pad and mail it in. And the the P.O. box was a P.O. box that I controlled. It was, you know, near my company. Um, And so, you know, I go in, it was like a four week promotion. I go in the first week and I had like three, Hmm. two weeks later, I had like five, Bottom line is we get to the end of the four weeks and this promotion, which Coke and with the schools, I'm going to guess, you know, in 2000, in, in 1990, I'm sorry, uh, 2000, this is probably 2000. In 2000 numbers, I'm saying that we probably spent about 150 to $200,000 with these schools um, altogether. And we got 29 registrations. Oh my gosh. 29. So we pulled our winner. Uh, odds of winning are pretty good. Yeah, pretty damn good. And so we pull our winner and we award the sport court. And and you know that was when I knew you know listen all the money, all the promotion, all the things. It it no one is filling out tear pads anymore. And it wasn't but a, a year or two later that they were gone forever. But I will tell you this: in the next couple of years, buddy, row, I filled out a shit ton of tear pads for contests around uh, around Tampa Bay because. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the writing on the wall, and it was good. It had a chance. Uh, so, <laughs> did did you think, or do you think that the public, knowing that in a lot of registrations that you fill out that your information gets sold, do you think that played into it? I think it did, and I also think it was just it just an end. I think it was just the end of people just doing things that way. The internet was exploding. People seeing online stuff was exploding. But ultimately, that's that's the answer all the time, whether you're filling something out online. We see that together, you and I, all the time. The number of registration fields determines how successful you will be because the more invasive you are with someone from a question and answer perspective, the, the less you know, the less people are going to register. And that's probably what it was then. You're asking someone, think about it. It seems silly now we, in the era of computers that we live in now. But to think about then, you were asking someone to walk into a store, walk up a display, be interested enough to take that thing off, to fill it out, to go home, to put a stamp on it, and to mail it somewhere. Yeah. And today you're like, no way. Well, back then it was normal, right? That was what was done. And yeah. it was how, you know, all the registered wins were done. And, and they it's just, it was the end of an era. It was interesting. Well, but, and now you, you place a QR code on the POP, you scan the QR code, and you immediately register on your phone. Right. And, and Google and, and Facebook are so mature that they'll all you have to do is click now. They already have all your information stored in their databases. So you say yeah. blam blam and click click and you've already registered. They have all your data. It auto fills and you're done. You don't even you don't even go to the keypad. 
But anyway, I'll, that's, uh, I'll let you keep going. What's your next one, Bubba? Well, and, and similar, in a similar vein, in the grocery category, uh, we had uh, a grocery partner, and it's been 10 or 12 years ago, uh, that we worked with then. We do not work with them now. Um, who wanted to drive retail traffic um, to all of their grocery stores in the Knoxville community and wanted us to come up with a traffic driving idea. And we came up with this weekly home game t-shirt concept where we would do the caricatures for each home game and then encourage fans, if it's Alabama week, to go pick up your Beat Bama shirt uh, at the grocery partners locations. Mm -hmm. And we made it a value t-shirt. We did it at $4.99. Four dollars okay. and ninety nine cents for a T shirt. Sure, uh, essentially just above cost. Right, to drive traffic. Uh, did it the first year and just blew the doors off of it. Okay, uh, sold thousands of T shirts. Thousands of T shirts. Came back in year two, and said, "Well, you know, we sold so many of those T shirts. I think we could raise the price to five ninety nine, and no one would know the difference." Destroyed the campaign. Wow. No one bought the T shirts the next year. And $5 is the magic number. <laughs> well, we learned a, we learned a valuable lesson. 4.99 perception is 5 bucks. It's a $5 bill. And the moment you go to 5.99, psychologically, we think it did not register with people. How Even about at that? 5.99. Wow. Killed the pro- killed the program. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I learned a valuable lesson there. Don't, you know, don't be too greedy. Right. Um, but um yeah, uh that happened to us. Do you us. still have those t-shirts, by the way? You still working out in those? I still have those t-shirts. In fact, we framed some of That was back in the day when we would sketch it out in the office. And I can tell you a great story. There was uh, Tennessee's playing Kentucky. And we came up with this theme of catapult. And so you had Smokey with a cat on a catapult machine. And... So Steve, our general manager, was going to draw it out so we could send it to the artist at the T-shirt manufacturing facility. He brought it in to show me his initial first draft. And Glenn, who works here in our office, he and I reviewed it, and Glenn looked at Steve and said, oh, Steve, I get it. That's cool. You've got Smokey playing the drums. Steve's like, no, no, Smokey's not playing the drums. He's He's got a catapult machine there. <laughs> And we should have known back then that we were not graphic designers, and maybe our ideas weren't that good. Yeah, and, and so you're saying that, you, that Steve and Brandon's stick figure designs did not make the final proof that they were they were they did not yeah. they did not make the final proof, and oftentimes we would have to call the graphic designer to explain what our concept was. But I can you know even <laughs> now that it's twelve or fourteen years ago, I can still remember some of those themes and how hilarious they were. Uh, Lou Holtz was the coach at South Carolina. So we did a cockadoodle Lou. Nice. <laughs> uh, we did the cat. We did the catapult. Um, we did one then that I don't think you probably could get away with now for animal rights reason. About uh, have you called your pachydermis lately? We played <laughs> Alabama. <laughs> yeah, and, and and the nice part about that is when you're winning, shirt to sell. Uh, it's uh, probably do. tougher to pull off uh, even four ninety nine t shirts in ball country today, but next year is a different year. Well, okay, and you and now you just hit on something that I think is important. No matter how great your promotion is, if a lot of the outside factors that are out of your control do not play in your favor, nothing is bulletproof. That's right. And and if the audience, if the fan base is not engaged, it's it's gonna be really difficult no matter how great, you know, 
a promotion can be or could be. Um, things have to line up for you. That's right. That's right. I, I mine is. I'm gonna. The next one is is kind of a stretch, but it's just a fun story. So this is back in my Buccaneer days. So we had, we were attempting to help promote. There was a theme park called Boardwalk and Baseball, and it was over there in Orlando. And this theme park was the also the spring training home for the Kansas City Royals at the time. And they needed some help promotionally. They were struggling. They struggled so much they ended up going out of business. We maybe helped them along the way with this story. So. Boardwalk and Baseball had a Lip is Honor Stallion show that they wanted to help promote. So they called over to us and they said, hey, we want to do a halftime uh, show with our Lip is Honor Stallions. We said, okay. And they said, how does this work? And they said, well, we, we bring over a high school band, the Colonial High School Marching Band from Orlando. They're going to surround the field and then form like a human corral and then we bring these lip designer stallions in and we do like a little five minute prance around the field and people cheer and i'm like all right i said you're gonna pay us for this yes we are okay yep we're revenue friendly come on over we'll do this halftime show with boardwalk and baseball and the lip designer stallions and the horse's name was jaleel i remember all this because back then tampa stadium had a crown and the crown if you understand it it just basically way the, the the water siphons off the field and the top of, right. the, of the middle of the field turf there was probably i'm going to get this wrong but maybe 18 inches it was significant to the to the you know to the corners so this stallion's out there kind of going along in the middle of the field and this crown is messing with him and he starts kind of drifting and he's drifting and he's drifting and i'm on the field with a walkie-talkie and i see this gigantic animal lip stallions are just <laughs> effing massive i see this thing start drifting to the corner and then wham he just takes out an entire corner of the colonial high school marching band just oh my just gosh. knocks them all backwards we lost tubas we lost trumpets i'm i'm on the headset yelling medic down it's halftime at an nfl game and we get fined by the second we're late when cbs is coming back okay i mean right, you can't yeah. so i've got and i've got band members high school people on the field and I've got a stallion, I've got a move, and I've got the clock ticking down for the Vikings coming back on the field. And so we've got spine boards out there. I've got my owner calling down to me saying, we need to get them off the field. You understand the fines? <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so we ended up, yes, getting, getting the people off the field on their boards. There was no one permanently damaged. Uh, but I'm not sure that Boardwalk and Baseball uh, sold any more tickets from that particular excursion. Would the would the fine from CBS been larger than the revenue you might have received from the uh, the display? fine from CBS might have been uh, ten times the revenue that I got from Boardwalk and Baseball to do this uh, ridiculousness at halftime? So yeah, <laughs> it was important that we get these young people off the field, not so safely, but off the field. <laughs> we have to talk about. I'm not going to call it a failure because it's an outside force that neither of us can control, but a, a, a failed promotion that the two of us worked on and, and both put a great deal of work in. So we have our friends there in Tampa who uh, own a printing company, um, and they have been fantastic partners over the years and have printed so many of our traditional type schedule cards and posters and publications and things like that. Uh, but they always have an eye for promotion. Uh, and if you remember, uh, it's probably been six or seven years ago, they decided, they had this idea concept, they were going to drive up from Tampa with their printing equipment and spend the weekend with the Vols as we took on Florida. And they took photos at kickoff of the game. 
and we had them on top of the press box at Neyland Stadium on the 50-yard line taking the kickoff photo. And so the idea was they would print in real time a high-quality, glossy 11 by 17 collectible kickoff poster, uh, Tennessee wins poster from the Tennessee-Florida game. So What could go uh, wrong? And Yeah, what could go wrong? Um, it's 50-50, right? Well, in our, in our case, it, it may be a, a little bit less than that at this current state uh, in time. So they come in on Friday. They've got, their, they got all their equipment on, on the trucks. We set them up in our basketball arena uh, just across the street from the football stadium. Uh, we go scout out all the shots we're going to take and then how we're going to get the cameras down to the computers and laptops in the arena to then process the photos to drop them into the format. And so we get everything logistics worked out. Uh, it's a beautiful day in September. Uh, we've got a jam-packed stadium. Vols run through the tee. We start snapping pictures. We get the picture we want at kickoff. We race back over to the arena. They drop the photos into the template that we were going to use and then hit print on the printer uh, just before halftime. And the goal was to produce 10,000 collectible Tennessee wins posters. And um, just as we finished the 9,500th poster, it became evident that Tennessee was not going to win the game. <clears throat> and, and so literally as the game came to an end, I was dollying the 10,000 posters over to the dumpster. And the rainforest problems in the Amazon can be attributed <laughs> to one it. Brandon Parks. Precisely correct. And it, the, the cool thing about it, and I still think that it has merit in a neutral site type event, is that it was capturing the moment in the highest of quality, almost a print quality. It wasn't something like Yeah, that. I mean, all that garbage stuff we had as kids, right, that we're all when yeah, we're growing up. stamped with, yeah. stuff. That we, we probably still have as a souvenir because we're and we have problems, but but yes, now, it was it was an upgrade over that garbage. Now to that and to their credit, I think they were onto something because then the SEC used them in 2010 and I think in 2009 to come down and shoot the kickoff of the SEC championship game, which you can't lose because one of the two teams has to win the game. There, there you go. Um, there you go. So, that's that's um, a much better way to go. It. Yeah, I, I was. I was trying to think of a success. I mean, a failure that was uh, based on success, and I, I and and I, I've had a couple of these. I know they sound funny because they sound self-aggrandizing. That's not the purpose here. We had a, a, a client called Fats Cafe, which is probably familiar to y'all. It was off you went through South Carolina. It was a really really nice restaurant chain. Sure. And and so their promotion, we wanted to do something with with South Carolina. And at South Carolina, their women's program is just just like yours, just incredible. Women's basketball program is terrific. And so we had a very simple concept is that we would have a, a consumer go on the court and they would take a basketball and they would roll the basketball. So it was, uh, it was roll with fats. Yeah. And you rolled the basketball from one end line. And if it finished, if it stopped between the half court strike and like the three point line, um, that entire crowd got like a sweet tea uh, if it stopped between the three-point line and the other uh, goal line, it upgraded to an app. And then if it went all the way to the end of the court, everyone got something of even lesser value, whatever it is. So there was three food prizes that you got based on this person's ability to roll a basketball in slow motion across the court, which seems very simple and fun, and everyone does this garbage all the time. Well, it was enormously successful 
to the spot where about halfway through the season, we had to cut it off because all the managers at these Fats Cafes within 50 miles of Columbia were having hissy fits about all the people coming in with their ticket stub, asking for the free stuff. And we yeah. were telling, we told them it was coming, but, and it wasn't like people were eating like, uh, or having a dessert and walking out. It's just, they, it was way too successful. They were, it was, all the managers did not, they didn't want to drive traffic anymore. People were lined up. They had, I'm like, and so we had to cut it off. We literally had to stop the promotion. And I'm like, can't we just do something simpler? Like, no, no, this, we, we can't have anything. We're not giving away sweet tea. We can't give away desserts. We can't give away chicken. We can't give away anything. Too many South Carolina fans are coming in here right now. And I'm like, okay, I learned two things. Number one, let's do more with women's basketball and with South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, and number two, maybe we got to go a whole different direction with Fats Cafe. So uh, <laughs> they ended up, by the way, a year and a half later, they went under. That company went under. Uh, they may have uh, lost their That's window with uh, you, driving traffic. You uh, you drove too many free redemptions. That's yeah, I mean, you put them out of business. Yeah, I put them out of business. But anyway, that's uh, that was a bizarre, bizarre circumstance where uh, it was universal. It wasn't like one manager. It was like all eleven stores that were impacted here all hated it because too many people were coming in. Is that crazy? Well, we, no, I we had a uh, a sub franchise group that we did some work with and I'll, I'll, I'll let, I'll let them rename remain anonymous. Um, and every time we would talk about, they would always challenge me to come up with a retail traffic driving promotion, but not one that's going to overwhelm the stores. So it's like, well, you want traffic, but you don't want too much traffic. Right. And, and it's, it's fascinating. It's like, is, is, What's what's the downside here? Right, and so basically, we we're dealing with that now. We have a bunch of restaurant clients, and I'm sure you do too. It's just a function of finding that that item that is a low cost for them will get people to come in, and and you have to almost think about going beyond the collegiate crowd. Think about anyone is everyone out there being a 17 year old to 25 year old or over 70, and are they going to walk in the door and do that one item and walk out, or are they willing to spend more? And you have to find that item. <laughs> well, I, and I'll, I'll go ahead, and I know we're so, we're supposed to be talking about failed promotions, but just following up on this subject, uh, we have a relationship with Texas Roadhouse and have had it for, gosh, 15 years now. The one asset, and their asset mix has changed over the year, but the, the years, but the one asset they have with us, and he told the managing partner told me, the only way that we're not on this parking pass is if you take it away from us, and. Their offer was is a free appetizer, and you've got like three appetizers to choose from, and and it's obviously the, probably the lower end from a cost perspective on which appetizer. But he told me what we found was the free appetizer just gets people in, and if they come, they're going to eat a full meal in addition to the appetizer. And that's the, that's so the get, answer. And and yeah, so it, it it gets the hook that gets them in, um, and it's worked brilliantly. Uh, but you've got to you got to have the right item, and we had a we had another fast food chain that did a free Sunday with the purchase of a basketball souvenir program, and they came back. This was just two years ago, and said, "Hey, we've got to stop this. We're we're redeeming way too many Sundays, and that's all that the customers are coming in to receive is the Sundays." That's it. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's it's a else. it's a delicate balance is to find that for that restaurant folks. You got to well, and this year forget it, but in mo- more in normal years to find what is that balance to have them spend more money. All right, I got, I got one more ridiculous story, and this is another Buccaneer Day story that I just, it's just unbelievable. So 
it, the year before I started with the Bucks, so I started with them in 1988. So 1987, the Miller Six Pack was a Miller Beer sponsored six parachute member team that would jump in pregame or halftime. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So Miller sponsored this group. I don't know how widely across the country they sponsored them, but enough that Miller spent money, so probably significantly. Well, the Miller six-pack attempted to, to, to dive into the old Tampa Stadium, and only four of the six-pack made it in. Um, two of the other, two of the six-pack, uh, maybe unopened bottles, I don't know. Anyway, two of the six-pack landed in the park next door. And so it really, really freaked out the local uh, fan base who saw two of their heroes not make it in the stadium uh, and worried about their survival. So when I got on board, I'm now two, three years later, the gentleman who was my ultimate boss there at the Bucks um, was a, uh, a retired uh, three-star general. And he told me, we're not doing the Miller six-pack anymore. We're bringing in the Golden Knights. Mm. Uh, and I, you know, I wholeheartedly understood that. He said, we're not, this is not amateur hour. We can't have people missing the stadium. I said, I understand, sir. So the U.S. Army Golden Knights came in for years. Well, we're now two or three years into this. And one of my duties was to go there on Saturday and when they were coming and, and do the rehearsal with them. And so they told me, you know, when I'm down there, these guys are unbelievable. They're the most, I mean, they're the best in the world, right? And they told me, they said, there is a one in 1,000 chance that one of our gentlemen, one of our Golden Knight Parachute team members will have a failed shoot. If it is a failed shoot, the shoot will drop and then you will know that because his parachute, which is normally black with some gold trim, is going to be white. That's his secondary chute. And they told me this information like it's somewhere in the back of my head, but I'm okay. Oh, fine. You know, these guys are unbelievable. So now it's game day, and these five, six gentlemen are coming in. We've got the announcer down there. And people are generally watching and listening, but they're really just taught looking upstairs, right? All their eyes are up on these amazing guys who see if they can land on the 50, and they're all unbelievable well, like the third or fourth guy that jumps out of the plane, he jumps and I see right away that something is dropping next to him and it's his chute and I see he's got a white chute. Well, I had this information in my head and I didn't think anything of it. Of course he's got a white chute. His chute failed. His one in 1,000 chance came true. Right. Well, that failed chute is dropping like a turkey on WKRP <laughs> and it looks for all the world like those four straps are legs and arms that are flailing. Okay. Oh no. So I again know it's a shoot. I'm good. I'm on the field. I'm comfortable because I can hear this guy who's talking very seamlessly and like a pilot who's probably going to crash saying, folks, everything is fine and blah 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 blah. But people aren't listening. All they can see is what they think is a human being dropping like a turkey outside the stadium. <laughs> so the Golden Knights finish, they all land safely because I know they landed safely. The crowd is silent. No one is cheering when they're done. No one is cheering when they hit the 50. They grab their chutes, they pack them up, they leave the field. Everyone is stunned in silence. I go upstairs now, I go underneath, I go up into the press box, and as I come out of the elevator, normally the media cares about the marketing guy about as much as you care about a work, okay? Yeah, so, yeah. But the entire Tampa Bay media crew is sitting there outside the elevator waiting for me to arrive. And I open the door of the elevator, and they're all standing there, all the beat writers who I have you know, no relationship with. And they're like, what happened? Is he dead? I'm like, who? What? Where? They're like, the guy, the, the parachutist, the man who fell off the... Is he dead? And I'm like, no one died. That was, a, that was a shoot. And I told him the story. And then I immediately became just as important as I was before the elevator. Um, yeah. and, and they all turn around and they move on. And I, so I go back and I'm in my booth. 
And this, and now the, the second half has started, and no one is cheering, Brandon. There is just dead silence in the stadium. Everyone has just witnessed death in their eyes, and they yeah. don't know how they can sit there and watch a football game when they've just seen a man careen to his death from 10,000 feet. And so finally, I, my, a guy whispers in my ear, and when I headset, he goes, Paul, you got to make an announcement. So I did. I made. I said. I told the guy. I said, "Yeah, just make the announcement that everyone arrives safely. Everyone is safe. All the Golden Knight parachutists are fine." They make that announcement, and the entire sixty thousand people breathed again, and the cheering began. Oh wow! So, well, you had their attention. I didn't ruin the U.S. Army. No, I mean, you you had their attention, and in marketing and promotions, we're trying to gain attention. <laughs> but that's a <laughs> that's an aggressive way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Brandon, do you have it anymore? I think that's all I had on my list for today. Okay, uh, although well, I will tell you, in, in 20 years of, of marketing, uh, there have been plenty of, of failures along the way, but you, you can't be discouraged on that. No, um, you cannot. Again, if you're, um, if, if you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough. And if you're not failing, you're not going to learn, right? I mean, every, every single thing we've done where we've mucked up has is, is, is taught us how to hopefully do something better in the future, and, and I know we've both done that. So... Buddy Rowe, this is the end. You may not know this, but this is the end of season one. We're going to come back in 2021, maybe uh, late spring, early summer with our second season. But we nailed it this year. We've grown, we've grown listeners every single week. And, uh, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate you agreeing to do this with me. And uh, it's just been awesome. So thank you, buddy. Well, I, it's been a blast to do it. Um, I hope we've 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 at least entertained people a little bit. And uh, I often equate our conversations to the con- before we started our podcast to the conversations we would have generally just you and I one on one talking sports and uh, sports marketing. And it's a lot of fun. It's I know it's something that you're passionate about that I'm passionate about. And uh, obviously, there's some some others out there that that find it insightful as well. So uh, a lot of fun, and looking forward to uh, season two. Season two will be COVID free, Bella. So uh, that's all I got today. That's all Brandon has. So for Brandon Parks, I'm Paul Sickman with Knox Sports. Thank you very much for listening to another edition of Knox Talk. We will see you next year. Happy holidays, everybody. Hey.